0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the editor of B2B Marketing, and I'm joined today by Kate Owen, who is CMO at the University Partnerships Program Limited. So, Kate, thank you very much for joining me today. Before we get into it, could you please just introduce yourself to our audience and give us a little bit more uh, information about your career in B2B today?
1: Sure, David. Thanks for having me. So I've, um, I've got over 20 years experience within um, marketing and comms across uh, both B2B and B2C, um, private and public sectors, uh, global and national I've worked for organisations um, such as ADECO, where I was there for about 10 years before moving on to Starbucks in the press and public affairs team. Um, from there, worked for Thomson Reuters for about seven years, leading their global campaigns um, before moving on to the NHS to set up and run the marketing, internal comms and press and public affairs for the entire NHS estate across the UK. Most recently, um, I joined Capita to set up and lead a new function on industry marketing, ABM and strategic bid support to their private sector clients, which amounted to around $2 billion against a $4 billion book of business, whilst also leading their go-to-market campaign team, which was very much tasked with designing multi-channel marketing and comms strategies across all industries to the full customer base across Capita, very much focusing on lead gen, retention and renewals. And then four months ago, joined UPP. Delighted to have joined there as their new CMO, part of the executive leadership team. I'm responsible for all marketing across B2B and B2C, whilst also managing press and public affairs, internal comms, student experience. We have an amazing UPP foundation, which is our independent charity, and then also helping to drive our our wider ESG strategy in conjunction with the wider ELT across the group. So a very broad, mixed and and varied role across marketing and comms.
0: Okay, great. So you've obviously only been in the role at the UPP for a few months now. Um, Can you give us just an overview of what the organisation does and, you know, in short, how the UPP makes its money?
1: Sure. So, UPP is the UK's leading provider of on-campus residential and academic accommodation, so we look after around 36,000 rooms in operation or under construction through essentially long-term bespoke partnerships with 15 of the world-leading universities across the UK. We've got around a thousand employees and since 1998 invested around three billion in the UK higher education sector and provided homes to over 400,000 students. It's one of the reasons I joined. We provide um, high quality affordable accommodation on campus whilst also trying to deliver that student experience in partnership with universities. In terms of how we make our money, The vast majority of UPP's turnover is from student rental income However, there's also a small proportion that comes from commercial revenues. So that could be across vending, laundry, the provision of extra services. And then we also run um, summer vacation revenue um, programs, which is essentially rooms sold uh, for summer schools, conferences, student extensions, and other visitors that, that may want to use that accommodation. We also generate revenue from securing and delivering new transactions. So essentially new bids, which rely on high quality B2B marketing as a result and how our services can help universities um, and, and, and our university partners market their activities more effectively to their students, which I think is really important given that universities are finding themselves more and more very much in a competitive landscape due to this increasing student demand.
0: Okay, great. So in your new role, you're responsible for obviously B2C and B2B marketing. So in other words, you're delivering marketing on the B2C side for students, but also on the B2B side for the universities. And Off-air, I think you mentioned that you were using ABM to deliver a joined-up marketing approach for both sides of the spectrum. So, could you share some details on how you're actually doing this and what results you're expecting to deliver?
1: Yeah, so I've set up new ABM functions at both Thomson Reuters and Capita previously. So, since joining UPP for five months ago, it's a strategy that I've presented to the board as one that I, I think we need to implement here. We're reorganizing the marketing functions so that we've got a corporate marketing focus very much on brand and digital with new B2B and B2C campaigns. And that's really to help promote the UPP brand more widely across our various audience segments of of which there's quite a few. In addition, we've added ABM capability into the team. So that essentially as we're marketing our room offer, across the different university campuses throughout the UK. We're also leveraging those ABM strategies on a one-to-one basis in order to really help build further on that university partner relationship and I suppose really bring those two facets of demand gen marketing and brand marketing together. The, The strategy has been implemented so that it ultimately aligns to the university partner and is there to help promote them and their strategies and really showcase that common value and purpose that we have here at UPP, but also ensuring we can bring that student voice and insight back into our marketing approaches, which which I think is vital. Uh, the student experience team has most recently moved into into my remit and having responsibility for that team as well as internal comms, as well as press and public affairs, and actually the research team which leads on um, customer intelligence, CSAT, really means for me that we are a joined up unit where we're one team working across multiple marketing and comms disciplines so that we can really leverage the great stuff that we're doing here at UPP to maximum effect. And, and because of that, we can really thread that through our ABM approach tailored to each of the partners in, in a really unique way. In terms of results, I, I mean, I've only been there four or five months, so um, obviously it's very new to us. But I'm hoping to see how, as a marketing function, we can be um, much cleverer in delivering fewer, bigger more impactful campaigns that can span across both the B2B and B2C, B2C, B2C spheres, if you will. Our audience segments are so different. They vary from universities to students to investors to the wider market and sector. So, it, as I said at the start, it's such an incredibly exciting role and a huge opportunity to really leverage the best marketing strategies out there to help improve brand advocacy and drive additional growth. And so for me, leveraging that one-to-one ABM approach, I think will really help us to do that.
0: Okay, brilliant. And are there any tactics, processes, or technologies that you find particularly useful in delivering this multifaceted marketing approach? And and if so, how?
1: Yeah, so for us, I would would probably categorise that across a couple of different areas. So digital marketing research sector customer insights um peer-to-peer collaboration across all of the tactics process and tech collectively are probably the top areas for us that we're focusing on we don't actually have a crm um so a new crm system is coming later this year we've got new multi-channel marketing campaigns new persona buyer journeys actually which which i think is going to be integral for us throughout all of that approach in terms of making sure we're using external insight versus internally led um, insight. I suppose digital marketing, it's not new, is it? It's, it's huge, as we all know. New players are on the scene all the time. And across the higher education sector, my observations since starting actually a few months ago has been that capabilities in that area are really hugely varied. Some of the universities I've seen have got some sophisticated marketing engines. Others, like I mentioned, haven't even got a CRM system with which to email their students. And so that opportunity to really work with our university partners in a collaborative way to bring B2B best practice into the marketing approaches, not only across digital but also in innovative offline methods is, again, one of the reasons I I joined. The peer-to-peer relationship one, I know a lot of people talk about that, but again, for me, building this wider network across the higher education sector in marketing and comms is something I feel extremely passionate about. And already since joining, I've had some amazing discussions with counterparts at some of the universities we work with and so, co-collaborating on content, ideas, campaigns is something that I'm really looking forward to building building out more. I note that B two B marketing has never had an award winner, for example, across the higher education sector over the last few years. And there's some amazing campaigns out there being delivered by universities and by UPP, whether that's open day experiences. Intakes, which are are taking place right now and have been over the last few years. There's topics such as sustainability, design, employee advocacy. Um, In short, I suppose that the sector is one that I'm proud to be part of. Um, It really is what we do here by providing accommodation. If you think of it as a product but it really is impacting someone's life on a day-to-day basis. In this case, the students, some of, some of those guys are going to be the future leaders and the future employees and the future speakers on podcasts. So bringing all of that together for me in a multifaceted way is a, is a key priority.
0: Okay, fantastic. And, you know, ABM is something we, we generally come to associate with those really high value accounts. You've got all the money to spend, obviously. Um, and with that in mind, I can understand why ABM might be really useful when targeting a university, for instance. But um, with all due respect to students, I'm struggling to see how ABM can be cost effective <laughs> yeah. when they're living off pot noodles. So can you <laughs> shed some light on how you make this work for you at UPP and, and also the results you're hoping to deliver?
1: Yeah, sure. So so look, ABM is new for us here at UPP, so haven't made it work yet. So maybe I've gone mad post-COVID, but for, for me, I, it's about taking abm to a different level here at upp and applying it as a strategy in ways that other organizations and sectors might not necessarily be exploring so i'm using all of those principles of abm that i've learned today across other sectors and delivered at capita and and Thomson reuters but tweaking it so so for me if the principles of traditional abm are around client-centricity insight, partnerships, reputation, relationships, you know, very much those tailored programs and campaigns. In the same way, the university partners are our high-value accounts. Then for me, the same could be considered true for the different types of student cohorts that are attending our UK universities. If you think about the point around high-value accounts, the UK university sector as a whole contributed something like 21 plus billion to GDP. That that represents 1.2% of the entire UK's GDP. And most recent data identifies universities across the UK generating something like 100 billion in terms of gross output for the economy. So, so for me, when you look at that with a specific student lens student spending supports over 80 billion of the uk economic output I, I think that those are amazing figures when you think about that and so if i then explore that further from a from a b to b to c perspective and a very real example on a personal level i, I am literally just in the process of selecting secondary schools for next year my 10 year old daughter has already made her mind up what school she even wants to go and see during an open day based on the digital marketing experience that she's seen via videos, website content. She's already made her mind up on some of those schools and is confident in her choice without going to experience that product that I spoke about in person. You know, Parental voice is an interesting angle, especially in this sector, when talking about buyer journeys. And so schools, universities, they've got multiple alternative buyer journeys to consider now as part of their wider outreach. So I suppose my question back on the pot noodle bit would be, you Now, who really are organisations' customers nowadays and what constitutes this definition of accounts? You know, my my ten-year-old daughter essentially is a future contributor to that figure of 80 billion I've just referenced. So surely in, in that vein, why would she not be considered a, a high value account? I think, and then just finally on that, from a from a university angle, you know, first years buy very, very differently to a returner, to a postgrad, to a commuter versus international students. And, you know, how and what they advocate for in terms of brand can really differ. What keeps them satisfied is also extremely varied. And so I think insight from these key audiences is key in shaping our marketing approach. As I mentioned before, you know, every university is unique. Every room type is unique. So shaping propositions to align it to what the end consumer needs and wants, how they buy and what is influencing them sounds like a version of ABM to me except instead of them being accounts they're people and they're different cohorts of consumer so yeah i agree it's a it's a very different way of looking at it with principles of ABM applied to both our partners and students but but just in very different ways
0: yeah, that's really interesting. It's not—I have to admit—it's not an angle I've heard before. So, but that's always a good thing. It's always good to hear, you know, new things being brought to the table. Um, so, at, you know, at the heart of great ABM, you know, regardless of whether it's one to one, one to many, whatever it is, it's you know, great customer insight is the key. Without this insight, you just can't really do ABM in the first place. So, how are you collecting and then acting upon this insight on both the B two B and the B B two C side? You know, despite the fact your B two C and B two B marketing efforts are joined up, presumably both sides need a slightly different approach.
1: Yeah, 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 that's true. And so, here here at UPP, within my function, I'm delighted that we also have research and customer intelligence and, and a sector engagement function. The people that are involved in this area in my team really are experts in their field. They've worked across the sector for a number of years. That coupled with their long-term knowledge and expertise that UPP has more broadly across its wider employee base is actually one of, our, it's one of our USPs. Of course, it's about leveraging data and tech to capture the customer insight, whether that's across CRM, website, Google Analytics, Power BI, dashboards, etc., But I think, and I've mentioned this before in some other podcasts I've done, I think organisations and teams really forget sometimes the most powerful insight of all, which is your own people and the employees every day that interact with the customers, with the consumers. And, And, you know, in this case for us, that's our employees on the ground that are interacting every day on site with university partners and students themselves. Reporting on um, customer satisfaction sits within this remit. And so we are really able to look at that analysis on a real-time basis and and really feed that into our marketing outreach as a result. The the sector element of it and the sector intel that we're able to glean is then also relayed back into the business to really help feed into the growth strategy The areas of focus from a a more commercial aspect, which in turn then feeds back into those ABM strategies and account prioritisation, which which we're also looking at here. I think, you know, how often have we heard in in similar podcasts that sales and marketing work together on ABM or sales are leading ABM with marketing inputting into it and what challenges and opportunities does does that create? Here here at UPP, we really are the ones that are leading on what that is across the entire business. And at board level, it is hugely refreshing with every department feeding into that. It isn't actually just the typical sales and marketing department um, leveraging that, that that I've seen done, done previously. We've got a lot of work to do in this space. And, and so, for example, we have our own app. Some of our partners use it across their campuses. It, for me, it's a channel that we could lever- leverage even further to bring some of that insight and analytics back into the business. So definitely an area of focus for me. But I, I suppose to summarise, it's, it's a blend of our people plus the tech, plus innovative ways in which you can try and reach and get that, that voice that you're trying to seek externally in different ways that other, other sectors or organisations aren't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just a very quick note to our, um, our listeners as well. Um, if you want to learn more about ABM and become, you know, world-class ABMer, um, don't forget to check out our ABM conference, which is happening both physically and virtually. Um, if you're going there physically, it's in London, uh, it's taking place on the 2nd to the 4th of November and you can still get your tickets now. So I think we've got time for one more question today and then we'll wrap things up. Um, you know, it's be, just speaking more generally, it seems like for years now, we've been talking about B2B versus B2C. In other words, who's more creative, who's more effective, who's driving change, so on. Um, and in some ways, it feels like the two are getting close together. You know, B2B is uh, no longer the, the kind of wooden, boring side. It's the, the, the bridge is being, um, the gap is being bridged. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, with you know, B2B and B2C using a lot of the same channels and tactics. So I just want to know, what are your thoughts on this? Is this gradual convergence going to continue until the two things are just completely indistinguishable?
1: So great question. You've obviously saved me a really easy one for, for the last one there. Um, I would say, so given that I'm responsible for both sides of the coin, I, I find some of the pieces that are out there fascinating reading, actually. I suppose my, my personal view on that in terms of, the piece you asked around who is more creative, um, more effective, really driving change. I have to say, I personally don't see why there's such an element of competition here. (laughs) Surely it's about, for me, leveraging the best of what works across both B2B and B2C and applying the right marketing strategy to achieve your objectives that each organisation needs to adopt. We're all different. I think, in, in, in fact, you know, marketing events, podcasts, thought leadership that bring the two together, actually, that, that I read or, or digest, for me, are the most useful initiatives that I've participated in across my career to date. Similarly, bringing those views from cross-industry into how different marketing functions are approaching their challenges in order to, to really learn from each other on, on what we're doing, why we're doing it, what we found most valuable. For me, it's been the most interesting part as my career has developed over the years. And so I suppose it goes back to that point I made at the start about building out these peer-to-peer uh, relationships, both across the sectors in which we're operating in, but also more broadly and also understanding competitor approaches in ways that help enhance our approaches to suit the end goal. I think it's interesting that um, I've always been a strong believer in doing you know, industry-wide initiatives where you are um, building relationships up with competitors so that you're learning from each other in a way that you can leverage the best things about it that work for you. And I think in a world especially post-COVID, right, where companies are, are really trying to balance this increased demand of customer expectation whilst trying to be innovative um, and really enabling these end-to-end experiences to keep that customer engaged. I, I really feel, for me, these previous silos of consumer and business-focused strategies are, are not really a matter of when or if they converge. For me, I think they already have as mentioned, there are massive differences, of course, right, in how marketers typically view these two audiences. You've got B2B, single view of an account, you know, with multiple buyers versus B2C that really focuses on this view of the individual. But when you look at that in this context of buying journeys becoming so much more complex, becoming more similar, I think as marketeers, we need to really embrace that agility and learn how we adapt and how we learn from each other to approach these new strategies and tactics and tech um, to meet that ultimate goal, which for all of us is making this, you know, every single customer experience really the best it can be. I think I've seen this term B to E, you know, I, I find that fascinating. I think that that really does represent the culmination of everyone working together on everything everywhere with experiences at the heart. So maybe in the next podcast, it's not a question about B2B and, and B2C, but maybe this term B2E is the one of the future.
0: I think that's a great place to end it. It's not a good thing for our um, our company name if B2E becomes <laughs> the accepted term, but um, you might be on to something. Um. <laughs> Kate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Um, I'd love to speak to you again, you know, some point in the near future and to see how you're getting on with all these strategies and tactics. See um, see what things you've learned along the way and what things you're going to be trying next. So um, to all our listeners as well, thank you obviously for tuning in. We hope to see you in the next one. If you do want to listen to any more of our podcasts, just head to www.b2bmarketing.net slash podcasts.
1: Can I just say one thing, just to end, Um, on the B2B ABM conference, it really is a fab event. And I'm not plugging that for B2B. I've been there for many years. um, And so if you're new to ABM or you're still very much in the thick of it, definitely one of the the best events to go to. So make sure you're there.
0: Thanks, Kate. I appreciate your kind words. Thank you very much. And bye-bye.